Another week of muskies on tap. I am your host, Gus Manti, and there's a little extra pep in the step this morning because Max and I are prepping for the PMTT at Vermilion, and we are just super stoked to get there. And by the time this comes out, we'll already be there pre-fishing. Uh, we'll talk about that, but Anyways, before I keep going, let me introduce one of the other co-hosts on tonight, and that is Max Manti. How are you doing tonight, Max? I'm feeling great, Gus. Uh, yeah, whenever everyone is listening to this, we will be in northern Minnesota, hopefully finding some sort of pattern and success up there on Vermilion. A little intimidating, heading out onto a 40,000-acre lake, uh, kind of blind, if you will, but I uh, also got a pep in my step here tonight. We just got a, a great interview done with Alex McLean from McLean Muskies. Really excited for you guys to hear that. I think we covered a lot of really interesting information. Uh, definitely kind of flushing out the dichotomy between Minnesota and Wisconsin fisheries and uh, kind of got to get taken to school, if you will, um, on some of the Minnesota stuff. So that was all really interesting. Felt like we could have talked to him forever. Um, so really excited for you guys to all hear that. Um, but yeah, excited to also have our other member back on, uh, Gus, I'm sure you, you should introduce him, but it's nice to see his shining face again. Uh, I heard he had a, a pretty successful weekend, got some insider information that he was mixing it up at the bar last night. Pretty good. So, um, not sure that that's probably, uh, pod worthy news, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, good to see Brian again on the screen. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be back after a brief hiatus last week. Uh, I haven't been fishing a whole lot. Haven't uh, have had a pretty busy schedule. Um, going to be moving into a new place in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, just spent today nursing a little hangover and uh, getting my hopes up again for Rory McIlroy. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, you know, a little eight footer slips out on hole 16 and out he goes. So good solo second, <laughs> pat on his back and uh, on to next week. Nothing makes me happier than envisioning a hungover Brian on his couch just watching Rory McIlroy lose. Miss putt after miss putt. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, where are you moving to? Uh, down to Kahana. So, so you're not no longer a Green Bay resident. You're, you're going to be a uh, cock and ease. A few more weeks. A few more weeks. I'm a Green Bay resident. Got the Packer preseason game next weekend, which will be fun. And then uh, packing up pretty much right after that. So it's going to be a shitty two weeks of moving. There's nothing worse than moving, but it's a, it's a little bit bigger place. Yeah. So it'll be nice in the long run. Yeah. Big things ahead for you, for a young Brian. <laughs> All right, Gus, before we dive into this awesome interview with Alex McLean, um, do you want to just touch on a quick Northwoods update uh, before we get into the interview and then 
after the interview, we'll talk a little bit more PMTT prep. Yeah, for sure. You know, right now it's still kind of going steady with the patterns. We've been finally seeing some pretty up and down temperature swings before it was hot, hot, hot. And uh, it luckily never got too hot up here. At least the body's water that I was on stayed in the good temperatures and which resulted in amazing, you know, bucktail peak bites and, you know, peak moons and then a lot of rubber patterns, you know, but we got some cold fronts recently and, and some of the, the uh, ticket sealers were shallow weighted rubber and suix. So this past week, uh, I think I just say quickly during our interview with Alex McLean, but got to fish some new bodies of water and actually got to fish with two listeners of the podcast. So that was really cool. Got to meet some of the listeners that I've been messaging with in person and, you know, had a blast sharing the boat, learned new things as always with new anglers. But yeah, you know, one of the days was only Suix and then got a bunch of action at night, you know, I can't remember which day, but it's, I think there's another front coming in the next day. So at night we got action from blades and top waters. So like it totally changed throughout that day, you know, as we've been seeing, like it's going to change through the day, you know, I'm watching if it's really sunny and hot and windy, like it's, we've been seeing some pretty good rubber bites, but it, if you start feeling that like bitter coldness in the air, those fish have become a little more locked jaw. And you got to do a little more searching and a little bit more grinding. And that's kind of when like a dive and rise or a crankbait's going to shine. And uh, that's pretty much been it. But I think the highlight of the week was uh, Max already told me yeah. this, but our father our dad. got, yeah, he got his largest casting muskie and it was a second ever ripping rubber. He's caught him on swimming Jeez. dogs. And, uh, but when I say second fish ripping rubber, he literally caught his first two the same day. He caught about like a 32, 33 incher. I don't know. I didn't measure, but that was awesome. Way out in the cast, had a great hook set. And then he caught a 43 and a quarter. And these are both on shallow uh, running Medusas. So it had like that extra hang. And that day in particular, I was moving them on larger rubber but they're just looking at it. They're still very interested, but I think it was just that little smaller and slower presentation that did it. So is he done with the blades? Is he done with the blades now? He's under rubber. I think he's hooked. He's hooked. So um, what he told me is that he is two for two on hookup and landing fish, ripping rubber. So he's going to retire. He doesn't doesn't (laughs) retire from ripping rubber. He's not going to move into the percentage. He's not going to move into the percentage that I don't even want to know what we're at with, you know, hits. Yeah. Our our excuse to retire from rubber is just the back pain and sore shoulders. So if if he's going for the perfect percentage, I don't blame him. Oh yeah. There was one day where I think I knew fish would have eaten rubber in a certain way. And I was fishing solo on a new lake and my shoulder hurt so bad. I don't know why I ended up just having to drive around and or throw. I don't, I couldn't even throw blades. That was a, that was a tough day, but um, <laughs> it was juicy weather and I knew something could have happened, but I was, there's not enough sticks in the boat. And I was, you know, th- that day, for example, I was, I was so like 
desperate and trying to get like a big bite that I was trolling really shallow with dozer blades in front of a pounder. Jeez. <laughs> I was trying to get just the biggest reaction strike. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, it did not work, but I only gave it about 45 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, the old college try. It's about yep, all I need exactly. for trolling. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. It's not really the, the tactic that we like to use in the midsummer, you know. Plus, it's from what we from what we know as musky anglers, it's never good to bring up fish from deep and trolling shallow. It's like you might as well just cast. Did so. Did you have the pounder in the prop wash though? Oh, it was in the prop wash. I mean, I had yeah. that thing just dangling there. I could feel those blades. I mean, it looked with the blades in front of a pounder going four and a half miles an hour. It looked like the rod was going to snap in half. But <laughs> other than that, you know, I don't know what would happen if something actually took a nibble. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good uh, adrenaline rush, knowing that your pounder with a blade just went off in the prop rush, prop, Ooh, prop wash. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was waiting for it. But anyways, yeah, that was the highlight. Dad's... uh you know, dad's highlight of that day, catching those fish on ripping Medusa's. So that was really cool to see talking water temps real quick. This morning I got out, this is Sunday, the 13th and immediate temperatures in the morning got down to like 69 to 70 degrees. Um, but prior to that, we we're still in the mid seventies. So it is dropping and there should be some shallow water fish <laughs> pushing in and i think just for going forward it's it's looking like we're going to get some heat going again and i think it's going to keep these fish just moving in and out and in and out and you just got to be mobile yourself so especially if you're in an area that you know where fish are uh just fish it from different angles like if say it's a weedy bay and the weeds go up to seven feet fish the outer edge fish the inner edge Plop your boat right in the middle, cast both sides. If you got multiple people, maybe do one cast length off if it gets really hot and sunny. Um, I mean, usually when it's really hot and sunny, I actually sometimes push shallower and try and get those fish out of the thick cover. But yeah, definitely don't be afraid to switch up presentations. It still seems that the larger presentations are best, but if it gets tough and you're not moving anything on large presentations, I would first downsize and stick with that same presentation you know don't do anything like just completely switch gears yet i mean if it's really tough that's when i'll drag out the jerk baits and the uh crank baits and dive and rise and all that good stuff so yeah that's the quick report in the north woods and i don't want to keep anybody too much longer i think we should just roll the interview with alex mclean from mclean muskies Fire it up. <laughs> Fire up. Rev up those fryers. This is like the most Minnesota we're probably going to get. We got uh, Alex McLean on and wrote a clip and uh vermilion <laughs> talk. So <laughs> we're diving in here. Minnesota fishing. All right, tonight we have a very special guest on, Alex McLean from McLean Muskies. Alex, how you doing this evening? Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Oh, doing great, fellas. Thanks for having me. Excited. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, for all those listeners of ours uh, from the Wisconsin and, you know, other areas that aren't Minnesota uh, that aren't familiar with you, you want to just give like a quick background on, I don't know who you are, how long you've been fishing for, you know, what got you into musky fishing and kind of how your season's been going, uh, you know, so far as well. Yeah, sure. Um, So yeah, my name is Alex McLean. I've, uh, I've been musky fishing Minnesota for, well, this is now my 20th season. So 20 years, long time. Uh, my father got me into fishing in general uh, at that time. And uh, muskies, so I was, I, we would do family vacations up on Cass Lake in Northern Minnesota here uh, every year. I did that for about 15 years straight. And then one year I was out with a couple buddies and we were just throwing little daredevils, like just kind of clueless anglers back then. Um, sure. No internet, no, there's nothing like that going on. And I had a, like a, like a big, I don't know. I probably estimated it to be like a four footer or so musky chase my daredevil into the boat, uh, old Starcraft, <laughs> little 14 foot genre back in the day. And uh, nice. we, it didn't, it just kind of stayed there by the boat as I was dangling the bait. Cause we had no idea what a figure eight was. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like Brian still. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's that... <laughs> now we got evidence out there. It's not true. <laughs> we re... Yeah, <laughs> and we recast it a bunch of times, you know, and it kept coming back to the boat. And at, at that time, we were like, "This, this is a musky. This is incredible." And that moment sealed the deal for the next twenty years. Here, uh, I went out that same night um, to the local tackle store with my with my dad. I bought a, I, can't, I think it was like you know an, an OG uh abu uh 6500 with uh with some 50 pound braid and a little oh I can't, it might even have, I, I can't even remember but it might have even been a like an ugly stick or something and that's <laughs> from that moment on when i got home from that family we didn't catch any but you know it was still a learning process from that moment on we got back on the internet and uh old dial up jumped on to the musky first forums and uh <laughs> dove in from there yeah and uh uh, grew up in the Twin Cities, uh, so I've done a majority of my life's fishing down in the cities there. Um, mm-hmm. Moved up to Alexandria area, Minnesota, for about six years. Uh, and love the fishing out there. I, I miss that area of the state all the time. Uh, I love it out there. Uh, but then, obviously, no complaints. Uh, four years ago, I moved up here to Bemidji, Minnesota, which is like, I don't know, kind of in my opinion, the the mecca of Minnesota muskie fishing. Uh you know, area, I guess. And, uh, I, I love it. Fishing, fishing's great. You know, I work full time, but I, I do do a little, uh, part-time guiding kind of under the radar. I don't really go out on social media and, uh, announce all that, but I, it, it leaves, I get so many messages about, you know, do you guide, can you do guide trips, stuff like that, that, you know, gives me the ability to sort of just kind of keep it selective and, you know, I, I've always, I get that question a lot. Do you, you, do you want to guide full time? And the answer has always been no, you know, because I've got friends that do do it and it just kind of takes away the passion a little bit. And, uh, the less time I'm on the water, then the more, the more I look forward to it each time out. So, yeah, I, I can relate to that. I mean, I, I, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and I, I know I'm excited to get into all that, especially, you know, hearing that you've been fishing Minnesota waters for 20 years. I mean, I'm very excited to kind of hear you kind of talk about the progression of Minnesota, the, you know, the fishery in Minnesota, but I do want to start off with a pretty dumb question and it could be, a, it could be as simple as a yes or no, but you know, us, us Wisconsinites over here, 
you know, I, I think through social media and everything, you know, the only thing we see about Minnesota fishing is every fish seems to be over 50 inches and they all seem to be very easy to catch. I'm assuming that that's not the case, but is it? <laughs> um, so it, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to sort of reject that almost in full. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it's e- easy fair. to catch. Uh, so, I mean, I've done some Wisconsin fishing and such, and, you know, I, again, grew up in the twin cities, you know, we, we've got leech lake stocked fish. You know, we also have some natural natural strain Mississippi and, and spotted fish up in Northern Minnesota. Uh, in terms of ease of catching, I, I don't, I don't think it's any different than Wisconsin. If, if anything, I think that numbers wise, you can, you can go out on Wisconsin on a, any given day and probably catch more fish. Uh, I mean, we, we do put our, our time in and like, like anywhere, you know, time on the water, you know, it is equivalent to more muskies in the boat, but uh, catch rates. I, I actually think that uh, outside of Minnesota in other States, you'd find more success these, these days, anyway, back in the, back in the so-called glory days, you know, early two thousands, mid two thousands, um, you know, when the DNR was stocking like kind of an exponential amount of fish compared to today. And, with a, a tenth of the fishing pressure, it was a it was a lot different. I, you know, back then, you know, a, a five to seven fish day wasn't really uncommon. You know, when we were in the in the in the early days of it. But nowadays, yeah, yeah. you have to go out and work for them. A, a good one one fish, two fish day is a is a great day for anyone now in Minnesota. So yeah, I know. Sure. I, I asked I asked that completely in jest because the the one time we did fish uh, Minnesota with with Gus Brian and I, we got our butts absolutely handed to us. So yeah, I know. I, you know, it's musky fishing. It's tough, and I think there are differences that we're excited to kind of learn more about because. Now, even though I'm living in Minneapolis now, I don't really fish too much in Minnesota, I'm, you know, mostly in Northern Wisconsin. So excited to kind of unpack that. Uh, so you said you fished a little bit in Wisconsin. Where, where did you spend some time? So I always fished, I mean, being, as a, I was in the Twin Cities, I always fished those Southern areas, uh, just the St. Croix River, Bone Lake, Deer Lake, um, Wabagasa, those, those area lakes out there. Um, never really took the time to go out east farther because you know i was 10 minutes from white bear forest lake down in the cities there so that's where i kind of grew up and spent 80 percent of my time so and then yeah i mean i was a little bit late to the even though i started musky fishing back in the the early glory days like i was still a little bit late to to learning everything and and getting sure. out to the like i never got to fish like malax during the premiere days or anything like that it was to me it was just all cast cast like yeah. That's just where my family went on vacation every year. I, you know, I was a younger uh, high school student. I didn't really have the financial means to travel all around and do all that at that time. But yeah. So I'll, I, I, when you mentioned Mille Lacs, I'm always curious about it. I've driven around it before. I've never been out on it. And it's obviously a giant body of water. Have you spent a lot of time out there? Or do you kind of stay away from it now? Um, nowadays I stay away from it. Mostly I, I I'll fish the early early weeks of the season during opener when the fish are generally shallow uh some in the bays and such and we'll target those fish because that's always a good time you know a lot of it's we it's kind of a tradition for us to go there for opener with a bunch of friends and we always get cabins and such but after that you know once the once the fish on Mille Lacs disperse into that vast open water it becomes you know 
quite the challenge uh, to where, you know, one fish in a, in a week for some people would be like a successful week out there. The, the numbers have, what happened to the lake is just an overall shame. Like the, it was just so poorly mismanaged by the Minnesota DNR, as well as a lot of, you know, mishandled, mishandling and, ang you know, angler abuse and such like that. But for the most part, it just, they, they let up on stocking and they, they just wanted to create a trophy fishery, which in, in a sense they've done successfully, but the, the lake is just, it's the, the worst decline in any, any fishery I've ever. How, how heard fast was that decline? And like, and like, did they cut the stock numbers in half or what did that? Yeah. Yeah. Like? I mean, it's, um, yeah, they, they probably cut it more than in a half. Uh, I wanted to say there was a period where they were only stocking like 300 or 600 fish, like by, by yearly or something like that in a hundred thousand plus That's acre ridiculous. lake. I mean, and the numbers, <laughs> and then on top of that, you've got like, you get these year classes of, of bay fish out there that just get wiped out. So like we went through a period for four or five years there where the bait fish, we just got wiped out. Um, and then all the walleyes and the smallmouth out there, they were just like starving. So like any stocked fingerling fish of any species that are going in there, just getting eaten up right away. But we're, st you know, as of the last two, three years here, we're starting to see like a, a kind of a return um, in the bait fish population, especially the perch. Um, and that's actually seemingly helping the muskies uh, as of late. So I don't know yet, but it seems like there's a little bit of a comeback maybe starting. But I don't know, it's still going to be years to so you can go out there and like feel confident each time out. But do you know what happened to the bait fish to kill them off for like that five year stretch or uh, I, I, I don't have the biological answers for that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I mean, over harvesting, uh, you know, netting, you know, spawn netting, things like that. It all has an effect on it and kind of goes in cycles, but that, you know, if I was going to direct somebody to, come and target their first minnesota muskie that would be the last lake i would point them to <laughs> so i you know something i really wanted to talk to you about because it's fascinating to me the difference like you know, minnesota and wisconsin were neighboring states yet the lakes themselves are so different that hold muskies i mean like you're talking about malax and cass lake that you know i'm sure you're up in that area fishing there and it's like you could fit you know, probably every single lake that we fish in, in a given summer into those single bodies of water that you fish. So like for us, stepping onto a cast lake or a Malax would be probably extremely intimidating just because, you know, they're so much bigger than the lakes we're typically fishing. So like when you're, you know, getting to know those bodies of water, I mean, is it musky fishing is musky fishing? Like, are you just doing you know, we probably do at a, a bigger scale. I mean, are you, you know, spending more time out in the open water with these fish or do they set up on structure like a typical Wisconsin lake or is it just very seasonal there? I mean, it seems obviously you've dialed it in pretty well, you know, per your Instagram pictures and videos and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, overall in Minnesota, I would like, obviously, and you can, you can figure this out real quick being out here, just like, Fish density per acre compared to Wisconsin is is uh, honestly I believe I believe it's drastically less. Like especially in those smaller Wisconsin lakes, I think that you can find sure. you know maybe a fish per acre, fish per two acre, three acre, something like that. In Minnesota, we're talking like lakes like these 
bigger lakes, you know, Cass, Vermilion, Mille Lacs, Leech, Bemidji, like all, all those types of lakes, you know, these are huge basin lakes and we've got, they're mostly like lower density. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's part due in fact to this, to the low stocking and fishing pressure. Um, but yeah, breaking, breaking down a lake isn't, I mean, it's going to function pretty much the, the same. I mean, nowadays, you know, with side imaging and even live scope and all the modern electronics that we have, you know, locating muskies has become pretty, I don't want to say easy, but it's, it's a, it takes a lot of pressure off of, you know, the everyday angler nowadays, but yeah, each lake though, it, from an intimidation factor from somebody who's never fished it. Yeah. I can, I can hundred percent see that. Cause each lake is like, like they have their very, like specific individual processes. Like you can go to one lake and the fish during a certain point in time of the year, you you know, they're just going to be relating to open water. And then on a, a lake five minutes down the road, you know, we're going to find them up in the reeds for certain reasons, certain, you know, the forage mm -hmm. and, and everything like that. So it, it is very lake to lake basis. And it does take time. Like you can't just come here on a random weekend and expect to find success. It's really, it's difficult. It's really difficult until you understand how each lake flows, why the fish are where they are each time of year. And then when you're fishing each spot that these fish are on, as strange as it sounds, there are certain ways to break down that individual spot and certain angles that you almost have to cast at these fish. Uh, we, you know, we call them eater ang angles and stuff in, in order to get these bites. So it takes a long time. And like I said, yeah, if, for somebody to come here and expect to find like great success on just a, uh, on a weekend trip, it's just, that's tough. That's going to be tough for anybody. Well, was there a, a moment for you when like it clicked then? I mean, like you're saying, you're talking about the intimidation factor and you've been doing this for a long time. I mean, can you pinpoint a time where all of a sudden things, cause like, I think I can kind of, you know, looking back on Gus, Brian and I's time, musky fishing, you know, over the past handful of years now, like I, I can probably start to go back and pinpoint certain weekends or, you know, seasons, like parts of seasons where things started to really click for us. But was there like a certain time where things just started to kind of make more sense for you? And like, you just started to really, you know, get on them in a sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's it has sort of progressed along with the advancements in you know technology uh, our equipment you know back back when i first started like a, a six i started my first like serious musky rod was a six three compre like i and we were <laughs> like and we bought this at a show and it was like the premier rod of that show you know yeah. and it's just like nowadays we've we've advanced everything to t 10 foot six extra heavy rods to you know, everything's advanced so much, you know, side of anything, like I said, live scope, everything to where it's it, the, all the, all the tools are in our hands now to, to find the, the success. But uh, in terms of like myself, really, I, I think started uh, probably between 2015 and 2017 is when, you know, I had been hitting all these different Minnesota lakes traveling every weekend, learning, breaking everything down. And those are the years to me when it really is like, okay, now I've, I've got a handle on uh, a lot of different lakes across the state, fished them throughout different time periods of the year to understand their movements and, you know, where they are, why they are that time of year. And since then, it's just, it seems to really just have gotten better each year. 
like um, not uh, kind of almost exponentially. It's it's really shocking. Like this this year in particular is has been uh, unbelievable. Like we're doing so well. I I I could go into it for a long time. I mean, we're just well, finding you, success every time out almost. Do you think it's do you think it's a a learning curve thing, or do you think it's um you know the bodies of water that are just being able to kick out more fish? through you know good stocking all that stuff or do you think it's just you personally you know finally like not finally but like really just having things click I mean I know for us like I don't think the fishing has changed at all over the past year but I know we've made a huge leap you know from last year to this year and that same thing happened two years ago from two years ago to last year and it just all came from time on the water and building that Rolodex of like really grinding and learning spots, learning lakes, learning what times a year to hit certain lakes. Like that's probably been our biggest learning curve is like, you know, this month, this lake fires up, you know, next month we know there's going to be a great bite on these bodies of water. So do you think it's just been like a more of a personal growth thing this year or just it is? Yeah. What it is? I mean, I think, I think there's a, I think you were right when, when you said, you know, there's still a learning curve, you know, like I said, time, like the most, the best thing somebody can do to find success is just continually put time in on the water uh, and on the same waters over and over again, as time progresses throughout the season to learn, to learn, you know, and you, 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 you can learn nowadays. You can also learn so much, you know, with, like I said, with the electronics that plays a huge factor in everything, but like, yeah, time on the water uh, over and over and over <laughs> that's your, that's everyone's best bet. I mean, it just, it just is, it's just, it, and that doesn't matter where you, where you live, where you are, you know, if anyone can, can learn to master their local lakes, good, you know, good enough to, you know, to be a, a guide or guide or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that's a, so, I mean, that's a, yeah. So going off kind of what you've learned with all these different lakes, especially the bigger ones, I guess if you can just kind of give like an overview for us and for everybody else who doesn't fish Minnesota as to kind of like the, pattern changes with these muskie throughout the course of the entire year because from what we know you guys have a big open water bite you know middle of summer you can get into that too but we don't really have that over here i think a lot of it's due to our smaller lake size but um if you can just kind of detail how these fish move around throughout the course of the year yeah so uh generally on opener um especially in the northern half of minnesota at least for the past five to ten years we've had we've had cooler openers um Except for maybe like four years ago, we had that one opener, which was like a hundred degrees. But um, in general, our water temps have been around hovering around 60 or so on opener, um, which is, which is going to kind of make the fish post like just post spawn where, you know, your females are just sliding out to that first break. And then, you know, within a week sliding out to the open water after that, but uh, right away on opener, you know, we're finding fish in shallow water. Um, big fish, all, all the, you know, males, um, some, some even that haven't are, are still pre-spawn and coming in from the open water. And then, uh, you know, once they spawn, then around end of June, we start to see, you know, the, well, you know, the big Minnesota open water, open water push. And that's where, you know, all of your your females, your, your, your big, you know, the big females are going to move out there earlier, you know, like almost immediately post spawn or within a, within a week or so of spawn. Um, and then, you know, your males will slide out after, but usually around the end of June was like, you know, it's like the full on open water push where, where we're going out into the, into the basin, um, with these big, big baits, you know, we're, we're trying to use baits that are resembling, 
you know, Minnesota sized Cisco's and, and or whitefish. Uh, that's what these fish are recovering, eating and recovering. So for at least a solid month there, you know, we're out throwing like your, you know, your, your pounders, your big medusas, you know, beaver baits, uh, big, big baits. And that's what we're finding success on. And, you know, it really, you know, when you're out there, it just kind of comes down to, to locating them. Uh, I mean, it's, it, they, they really do, fr it's, it's really intimidating if you haven't done it, but they really truly do just roam the open basin scattered. They don't, they don't generally bunch up much, you know, they find the bait, find the fish, you know, that's, that's kind of how it is. And, uh, we're out just chucking the middle of the open abyss and, uh, generally, uh, you're feeding fish and really the only fish you ever want to target for, you know, mortality reasons is in the top 15 feet of the water column. Right. Um, so we're always keeping our baits up and, uh, and when, you know, when, when they're ready to eat, they eat their muskies, you know? So I don't want to labor on it too much because I feel like it's kind of been beaten to a pulp with the technology stuff. But um, I I listened to your episode um, when you were on with the the musky hunks and you guys talked a lot about live scoping. And I did want to touch on it just because I feel like there is a difference between how it's used from Minnesota to Wisconsin, because, you know, you're talking about this this open water bite and, you know, like we we have a live scope. I would say we probably use it, you know. We, I don't know, the, the ROI on it's pretty low right now <laughs> outside of ice fishing, you know, because like when we go musky fish, like we, we fish weeds, shallow rocks, like we don't do too much open water. You know, we, there's really not fish to sharpshoot in a sense in Wisconsin. I mean, the whole controversy hilariously enough started in Wisconsin with the PMTT at Eagle river. And like, I've talked about this, but you know, Gus and I have, we talked about it after it's like the stars aligned perfectly for that weekend. You know, there was a massive bug hatch, all those fish kicked out into open water. You know, that was a very rare scenario where you just had all these like very readily accessible muskies that were wanting to eat for a course of 48 hours. And those guys capitalized on it. And like, I was, you know, I, was, I think I said on another podcast, like they catch four or five fish. No one says shit. You know, the fact that they caught 12 or 11 or whatever it was, was the whole reason why, you know, you really threw gasoline on that fire. Um, but, you know, I think with the Minnesota open water thing, it's like a lot of the people we see either guides or on YouTube or whatever, like live scope seems to be pretty predominant in their boat. And I know you've, you know, I don't know if you've gone off this at all or like gotten one, but you know, last time I heard you, you're kind of the OG in the sense where you were, weren't using live scope. You're just kind of, you know, like you have the, <laughs> hashtag, the hashtag no scope. No scope. Oh, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Is that, <laughs> that is that still kind of your 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 game plan? Not so using it? we've that's a, that's a huge conversation here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've loosened up a little bit. Any anyone that knows me or my I guess my uh, group of closer musky friends knows that we're predominantly against you know, any, any more advancements in, in technology at, at this point. And I, I think that overall the, the cons do outweigh the pros, but I, I have loosened up on it a little bit. I had, I did get a live scope, a, a okay. unit. Um, I have gone out and, and dabbled with it in, in all the ways that you can. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've learned I, to say that I haven't learned anything from it would be just a lie. Cause I have, you, you learn about these fish behaviors, their movements out there in the open water, where they are and why they're there. 
Um, it's also really, it's a, it is, it's a fun tool. Like it's cool to, it is cool to see a fish come in. It is cool to see a fish eat, um, and to see their behavior once, you know, once they, they do also the way they're affected by, it, they're definitely affected by, by it. Um, I agree. And it's, it's almost impossible for, for open water, you know, to catch open water muskies in the figure eight. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, when, if you're pinging them with, with a scope, like they, they yeah. just, they kind of halt hard at that, you know, 40 foot range is kind of what we discovered. But, um, uh, I have used it. Uh, I kind of quit using it there in June. Um, just because, it, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, I mean, there's so many, so many opinions and emotions on what I think about it, that it, it's, you said it's a, it's, I don't know where to even start. I, I guess, uh, it is it, honestly it is it's too effective it, it's too easy and that's just the cold hard truth it, when open water fishing in minnesota it is it is a it is takes anyone who's got enough money can load their boat with enough live scopes to go out there and and crush fish i mean we, it's so easy i, I and it, it to me like i can't I, I can't even sit here and like break down any form of like skill or art or any anything that that it takes to use it out in the open water because it, there isn't you just you just can see them and, and i can put a cast on top of their head with with any bait any anywhere i've got a 360 degree view uh covering all the water column 100 feet out from my boat in every way so like if you're if you're, if you're using a live scope in the open water like you you can see everything every every bay fish every it's so easy and i that with that reason you know it, you you know it's too much pressure it's too much pressure on the fish like we're able to go out like i said i haven't used the live scope since june but it, you know we we went out with, and experimented for a couple of weeks with it there and we were i mean it was it was kind of a joke we were having 10 fish days you know Jeez. 10 fish 10 fish plus days more than one and and just hammering every fish in sight and they're just they're they're not as uh as smart for whatever reason you know muskies are more apt to bite in the open water they just are they're not as, as smart they're 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 there pretty much primarily to feed in my opinion and it's just it's too it's too easy to be to be considered any form of skill that should be that should be allowed at least in a tournament uh aspect i don't i don't care if you know at this point if you're you know, you know, we, a regular weekender who wants to go out and, and, and use live scope. I mean, it is what it is. This is the world we live in now. I mean, probably next year, the year after, you know, 360 live scope is going to be out and every, everything's just going to keep on advancing as time progresses. It's just how it is. So, you know, we, we adapt, we, ad I adapted, I got it. it. I, you know, it's, it's tough to explain to someone you know, so I've had, and I've had like so much heat from different directions for my opinions on things. It's just kind of like <laughs> originally, like I was getting so much crap from the guys that had a live scope, like, Oh, you're, you know, you're, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then, and then all, like a, a majority of the people out there, in my opinion, just are against it. And that's even all the guides I talk to and everything like that, they're against it. Do we have one, you know, for client purposes, you know, finding fish, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's that, advanced it's that useful it's worth your investment if you're ultimately your goal is to just like put muskies in the net but it has take it has taken away the the uh a, a little bit from the 
you know, the original thrill, the, the purpose of musky fishing in my eyes, like, you know, like the, the thrill of the unknown, you know, that's, yeah. that's what makes musky fishing, musky fishing. When you're going out and breaking down a water and, and you get that bite that comes out of left field that catches you right in the corner of the eight, like there's nothing, there'll never be anything more thrilling than that, than an unknown musky bite. Well, that's why you do it, right? I mean, yeah, for that adrenaline it. rush, that's, like, that's yeah. it. That's yep. like, you want to bottle that. And that's the whole reason why you're out there is like, you're spending hours upon hours. And I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth at all, but like, I mean, I think something that we touched on prior, it's like figuring out these large bodies of water or even our, you know, Wisconsin lakes, like they take hours and years to learn and it, you feel a little bit shortchanged, you know, I'm sure as a Minnesota guy, if you saw somebody like, yeah, first day on Cass Lake, we caught four fish mm-hmm. and you'd be like, Okay. You know, and then you look at their boat and they have two or three units and you know what they were doing, right? I mean, it it's is, it's, it, it's like a moral dilemma nowadays. It's really difficult. So like I have the, like every day, every day I go out, I have the choice. Okay. You know, do I want to go sweat my, you know, my ass off ever, you know, and grind it out and fish these, fish these spots. I'm confident in fish these spots. I know, break them down and catch a fifth or two, or do I just want to go out there with a the live scope and catch 10 that night? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like. It's a tough, tough, it's a tough yeah. dilemma, but you know, I've stuck, I've late as of, you know, the last month and a half here, I've stuck with it and I've, we've done our grinding and our, in our true fishing and it feels way more rewarding. It every fish caught without live scope, hands down in my personal opinion, just feels way more rewarding in every way is it just does. Yeah. Um, and- I mean, everyone has, everyone's entitled to their own opinions, of course. And, you know, but it, you know, and, and then nowadays i mean another thing that it is it's when you're out there you're grinding and you're catching fish and then you you see some here's a here's a new guy's fifth muskies for a year uh is out driving around you know with their gas engine on and four scopes hanging over the side and just sniping them and it's just like that's that's a it's kind of cringeworthy you know it's like wow so you know not i mean it is it's it's hard to you cannot deny and and it, it is very truthful to say that literally anyone with, with enough money and enough uh electronic power on their boat can just go out and flat out snipe muskies now if their if their goal is to just <clears throat> throw stuff on social media and put fish inside their net i mean it is it's easy you know but that's that's not what musky fishing is about it never has been and it's there's a lot of people out there a lot of guides out there who you know they're 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 pretty upset about it and and uh you know but for professional reasons or, or so on and so forth they are not expressing that as much as they feel it you know yeah but really it is it's a it's a big dilemma now and it, and it is i mean it is what it is it's just the, the world we live in now so yeah i mean it it's true like you know it's just so it's so funny to like think how far it's all come i mean i was reading time on the water um this summer just for kicks and like there's this one story that really stuck out to me. And I was, I was telling Gus and Brian about it where this old, it was either a guide or just somebody that was out fishing. And, you know, they were literally dropping like a a split shot on the bottom to kind of feel out where the rock bar was. And then they would take, you know, floaters and tie, you know, tie whatever and and ping. Okay. Here's where the rock bar starts and here's where it ends. And now I'm going to troll the edge of this rock bar back and forth, hand troll, the rock bar back and forth all day 
And that's something you could literally pull up, you know, never been on the lake before, you know, with all your stuff now. And like, just be like, oh, there's a rock bar, you know, probably one of the 50 that are on, a, you know, any given lake that is, you know, rock based or whatever. But like this guy literally had to take the time to figure out, OK, where does this rock bar start? Where does it end? I mean, there's something that's kind of cool and primal about doing it that way. I mean, it, and it's kind of the thing that you talked about where it's like that more moral dilemma, because like. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it'd be cool to catch muskies with zero electronics, you know, going to a remote body of water with no cabins on it, no one telling you where to go fish and then catching one. It feels more rewarding. Um, I know I can't agree more. It's like it's just crazy to think how far, you know, everything is advanced. And yeah, I'm I'm I've kind of wavered on the live scope thing. I mean, I think it's really cool. And like you said, you know, you learn a lot. Couldn't agree more. I mean, there's been times for us where it's almost been pivotal, pivotal to like stay on spots because we know there's fish there via live scope, especially like in the late fall when like we're dragging suckers and, you know, we're, we're on a certain spot and we see like four different fish come up. It's like, okay, we need to stay here because we know there's fish here. We would have never known though without live scope. You know, we would have had no idea. We probably would have pulled up and moved to a different spot. I mean, that happened to us last fall where we caught a really nice fish solely because you know not not sharpshooting it but just using using suckers and knowing that there were fish there and we just stuck around until one finally decided to bite um but it is it is weird i mean i i'd like to think that if things continue to advance you know there might be a gut feeling amongst anglers where how far is too far and are we already there you know it's probably the question 100 percent. yeah i feel you right there i mean i i personally think we're past it i think live scope was like that kind of pushed the the line too far but like you said like in the fish the fish the dynamic of the fish and their behavior is is changing because of it and with it too so it, it like guys who aren't moving up with this these advancements in technology they're they're only going to struggle even more every right. more and more every year without it you know um and I, again, like you, like you were saying earlier too, with the, with the original guys, you know, the time on the water, Bill Gardner and, and like, you know, even like Dick Pearson and like, we were, this is a conversation we had when we were up on Lake of the Woods last week and like, oh, you know, nowadays, like these Lake Master maps, they've come so far. I mean, this is just so incredible. These, these guys used to, to come out here um, and just bring multiple lower units out on their boat, you know, and just multiple motors because <laughs> yeah. they knew that they're, oh, there's a rock bar. Let's 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 put it on our physical map here and then just go experiment over it. like they like the groundbreakers of the sport are like that they're just warriors they they truly made the sport what it is and like same with like the original muskies inc guys you know the 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 guys who are out there like promoting catch and release and and all and and kind of kind of ingrain the fabric of what the sport is these these days to what it is like you can't there's no one that you can have more respect for overall than those guys who went out and were doing it and were catching all big fish you know originally mapping lakes like it's just that's that's where it's at i mean that's nothing cooler than that in my opinion yeah it's crazy to think that i mean it part of me and I, it sounds like you are the same way where there is part of me especially in the northern wisconsin where you get a little bit nostalgic when you're up there it's like, damn, you know, this is kind of where, you know, at least I'm talking about Northern Wisconsin now where it's like, you know, these were some where some of the pioneers were, where they were literally going out to a lake and being like, are there 
are there muskies in here? You know, let's go find out. And they just go and grind and spend time. And, you know, that's like how they got onto a good bite and like why guides were so, you know, important back then, because it's like your average Joe from coming up from Chicago is going to have no idea that Lake X, you know, off the dirt road in Northern Wisconsin even has a muskie in it. Nonetheless, like where to even go and catch them. It's just so, it's so different now, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with the new technology that we have, I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's here to stay. It's, it's only going to advance. I mean, the, the, the only things and the best things that we, we can do is just do our best to educate, to try to keep the resource is available and as decent as it is for, for, you know, like for, for everyone, like the common phrase for generations to come, like, you know, there, it, to me, it's never been about the advancement in technology really that's bothered me. It's, it's the treatment of the resource by people who are abusing it. That's Mm -hmm. always just bothered me. And, and, and you can, you can see that too. I mean, like I said, nowadays, like, you know, you hear the phrase, oh, everyone's a guide, you know, because, you know, with, with live scope, at least in the state of Minnesota, like, anyone can just like i said anyone can go be find success with it by just going out and sniping fish it's just yeah but you there there's a lot of people and there's some people that are doing it right now that are just come just have complete disregard for the for the muskies and you know one thing you have you do learn over time is that you know warm water negatively affects musk it just it does it's at least especially in bigger i think it's i think it's more even more of an issue on bigger based in lakes you know with a with a different like huge ranges of pressure and thermocline in the water that can cause barotrauma to fish and things like that like going out in the into the open water like in the middle of summer months when that water is 75 degrees or more like catch these open water fish like it is it's a danger it's a danger to target them out there like every right. fi- like a lot of fish are dying like like i was out on a lake a couple weeks ago and, and one of these n- newer guides was out there and they were driving around gas motors, sniping fish with bondy baits straight out of 40 feet of water. And I went, I, I drove, I mean, what do you expect to happen there? You know, in just complete disregard, I drove over and the fish was, I watched them catch one, release it, drove over, picked it up, dead as a doornail. Well, what what sounds, can I do? Sounds like you got to start taking some like MMA classes and meet them at the boat launch. After oh, it's what, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's frustrating. It is, it's frustrating, you know, it's like, yeah, you, can, it and you can't educate these, some of these people and, and you can try, you know, and, but they just don't listen. Some of Well, them, yeah. and that's where I think you hit the nail on the head where if it's like, has technology gone too far? You know, anytime there's bad actors that have ample opportunity, it's, it's tough. You know, and I think that's just where it is. Like if people use live scope for what it is and, you know, use it, I guess, in a morally right way, it's great yep. tool. Yep. Um, but when the lines get crossed and it's, it's very easy to cross those lines. Like there's no one's, you know, no one's out there patrolling you. Like you just, you know, it's impossible to regulate that activity. Like if you're going to give somebody the opportunity to literally have a live heat mapping sonar on a screen, you know, and, and somebody really wants to catch a fish, like there's no, nobody sitting there stopping them from doing what you just said, you know, and that's where it gets tough. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess I don't have any problem with the with the technology itself or the companies, you know. And there are certain there are certain things that I just absolutely love it for. Like you said, I love it. The concept. I haven't even I haven't tried it yet since this is the first year I've owned LiveScope, but I'm excited to to actually 
watch my sucker minnows with it. Like, I think oh, that'll be really it's, cool. That's, that's it's so nice. frustrating. It's so <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so, when you're not able to actually do, you know, physically anything to get those fish to eat and you're just sitting there watching them. I mean, so like I, I talked about that one story, you know, where we like stayed on spot. Gus and I literally fished this. I don't know. What would you call it? Gus, like a rock reef connected to an island. This, this one particular reef for three and a half days straight. I think we fished, I don't know, six or seven different spots and we had live scopes with the suckers and we never saw fish on a single other spot other other than this one spot. And we figured there was 10 fish there, maybe more. So we're just and... like, we were going to sit here for eight hours until fish eats. It and took three what's days. Funny about, what's funny about that is the one fish that ate. So like, you know, day one, we're raising all these fish on suckers. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, you once you start seeing them, like you can tell the size of the, you know, we're on, this is like late, late season in Wisconsin. We're like, we're fishing on one of the only bodies of water that's still open. Gus, you want, you want to go in on this? Oh, are like, you going to talk about how it was caught? Yeah, because yeah, literally right. like we were raising fish after fish after fish. And like they would come up to the sucker and we'd have the live scope on them. And we're like, oh, this one's going to eat. This one's going to eat because it would shoot off the bottom. You know, and encircle it, go above it, go below it, go to the side, go. You could just, you could literally see the fin on the fish, right? And like you could tell these were huge fish. And like we just kept staying on it, staying on it. Day three comes around and we're like, we got to do something different, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is, like get these fish to eat. And so we finally had this one that came up and seemed to be intrigued. And Gus just is like, we're shutting everything off. So we shut off live scope, we shut off all of our electronics, trolling motor, everything. We don't say a single word. We're sitting there in complete silence. <laughs> Me, Gus, and my dad. The sun is setting. I mean, you can't, it's like storybook it was, shit. It was full moon, uh, moonrise to a T, like to the minute. <laughs> just like on the minute slowly. And, and all of a sudden, Bobber goes just goes boom, boom, boom. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like game on. But it wasn't until we shut every single piece of electronic off in our boat and this i mean we're not talking about sitting out there for three hours like this was three and a half days on one single spot knowing that there was going to be a big fish there and it was i mean to this day it was the fattest fish i've ever seen come out of a northern wisconsin body of water uh in our boat obviously there's been other ones but it was such a cool experience that all of a sudden we're like and the light bulb kind of clicked we're like did that was that it? Did that make a difference? <laughs> like, it, and I'll tell you that is very well possible and is very likely too. I mean, the, these fish and you can, it's especially you, you can learn more in the open water. You know, you can see their behaviors a little bit better in, in my opinion, but they are, they are, they're aware. They're aware yeah. of that, of the, the live scope transducer. They're aware of side imaging. I think they're, I think they're much more aware of, the ping from a live scope I, for whatever reason i don't know what it is but they they respond a lot more to that being in the water than they do side imaging but that, that's why I've, I've done that we've done that too and we found success turning just shutting finding find a group of fish turn everything off go back around on them go fishing coming in you know every time almost yeah so, wow interesting that's interesting the, the optimistic side of me wants to believe the muskies are on our side. And, uh, you know, as more pressure with these live scopes starts happening over the next five years, that they're going to become even more skittish to these sonars. And you might find them on the sonar, but they're going to be bolting the other way from it. So 
that's the only thing that might might save us in the Yangs. I don't think the technology is slowing down. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. I mean, like I said, the fish, the fish adapt. Um, you know, one thing, one thing with Minnesota fish, uh, you see it on like Lake Vermilion a lot, even Malak, like the fish are spending because of the, the enormous amount of pressure, they're spending a lot more time in the open water. Uh, and they're spending a lot more time deeper in the open water. Like there's, a, I've, I've heard from a lot of people, oh, well, well, muskies, you know, I, they don't even go down to, you know, 40 feet of water. Well, that's in, in these deep basin Minnesota lakes, these muskies are down in 40, 50, 60 plus feet of water Damn. all that's the crazy. time, all the time, which makes them even more susceptible to, uh, to any, like if anyone were to make the awful choice to target them down there, it's, that's, they're oh, not going to survive that, especially not in the warmer months. No, going up sixty feet on a bondy bait, and and that's how they're that's how they're responding, you know, to pressure too. It's a like you're we're finding less and less fish moved up onto structure spots uh, at certain times of the year, um, and they're just they're acting strange, you know. Like even even earlier this year, like our general pattern after um, after our open water, you know, we call it the first wave, is when the fish make that collective push to structure shallow water you know it usually happens around the middle to the end of july period generally um and that, we look forward to that every year because like oh here they come you know now and, and usually when they make that first push to structure they're really active they're really bitey um good 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 time of year good chance for a big fish um but they were just they're being strange and this year we had certain lakes where fish wouldn't push up on the structure till just two weeks ago and we had a couple lakes where the fish that were supposed to be in open water pushed up into the reeds in the end of June, like just wild behavior out of nowhere. And it's, Jeez. it's just super susceptible to the, to pressure. And we've, I mean, we've had to react to that and in, in our fishing tactics and, and to, to, to kind of follow along and, and, you know, like one one thing I see that a lot of you guys over there in central northern Wisconsin are doing is, you know, a lot of lake hopping. You know, you've got a lot more lakes within close range than we do in Minnesota. You know, but my me and uh, so my primary boat partner is Tyler Schlobs. He's a good buddy of mine, and it's who I share my boat with most of the time. Um, but we, you know, we've done some strange things this year. We're trying some very uh, abstract baits, uh, doing a lot of different bait modifications, and we're doing a lot of lake hopping. Like, even though, like, the lakes are half hour, 45 minutes from one another, we're still, like, there was a weekend just the other day, just the other weekend, where we fished six lakes in a day, you know? And we're oh. talking, like, four hours of driving in one day just to just just to change things up. And it's working. It's working. We found yeah. gr- huge success um, just doing off the grid, off the wall things this year. So oh, that's so awesome. You, yeah. I mean, that hits home for us. Um, ahead, so what are you, what are you uh, seeing in a lake that is making you want to like drive off of it? Say it's a lake that you know really well, like what is say like a factor if it's going through moon and not seeing a fish or going to your spot where you're, you're like this time of year, they're there and they're not like, are those like, what are the things that you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we have our we have our milk runs, and I think it's just the ge- just the general fish behavior. Like when, when we're, if we're going out, certain certain lakes, like like if you're going out and you're you're marking fish, like 
that's that's actually not it's hard to explain but there's there's certain lakes where you go out and you mark fish and it's actually not a good thing and that just promotes to us that they're not active because you know in minnesota lakes when fish are actively feeding like we generally find them in the same particular areas you know even facing certain angles on on certain spots and we'll go out and, and fish our milk runs and if they're if they're just set up strange not moving nothing's happening during the, uh, during any of the phases then that's just like a all right let's let's go let's leave let's leave and that's what we've been doing like if we you know we'll run we'll do the runs we'll look around um if things are just uh out of out of out of step a little bit and it's just like well let's go find a lake where things are lined up as they're supposed to be and that's just it's been working that way for us so um, generally, I mean, I don't think I fished a week, a weekend without fishing at least three or four different lakes. So that's, that's really cool. I, uh, I know Brian's ears are going to perk up a little bit here. You talked about changing some, um, you know, changing up some presentations and we, you know, feel free not to answer this. We can cut it, <laughs> but what are some of those crazy mods you have been doing on some of your baits that have been, you know, you talked about having to kind of get unique with your presentations you don't have to give too much away but like what's one of the crazier things you guys have caught a muskie on or done this year to to get a bite uh just <laughs> so we're just trying like totally off the wall stuff. like i said so like for our open water game you know we're we're i'm cutting i'm cutting tails off of medusas and and gluing extra tails onto the deuces i've put i had five tails on a deusa uh i <laughs> put not putting, in his head like hell yeah i'm putting <laughs> i'm putting beaver tails on the on the on the uh the bottom end of tubes i'm putting uh <laughs> i'm putting long uh kaylin's like grubs on just things that shouldn't have anything on you know just <laughs> things like that you know and, and we're finding bites on abstract baits i think i think the fish just respond uh, differently and they always do to to some presentations they haven't seen you know there, there's a guy like i said the funniest thing i when i was uh, we had tyler andrews who you guys was just on the podcast up in uh up in the boat on leech for a day and he's sitting there beaming a wax wing which is like the funniest looking bait and he's and he's found awesome success on it this year so it's just <laughs> throwing things that everyone's not throwing is always going to be to your benefit at least in minnesota with the pressure these days yeah, yeah that's absolutely. that's why the beaver kind of took off in minnesota once it got into everybody's boat and it started becoming like the go-to bait yeah so i mean so like it yeah i mean in my opinion and i know this is a this is a very opinionated big out there statement um i think that the beaver bait is the it, it, at least in in minnesota is the the most innovative and the best bait ever ever made and we have hundreds of muskies on him on them and they're so versatile you like in the open the fish just i, I think that the, the you know if you put a get a beaver with a bunch of contrast and whatnot they, the fish just they at least in the, in the last five ten years they just haven't been able to resist it very much it's look it's too comparative you know everyone thinks it's a like a like an actual you know muskrat beaver whatever but it's it looks like a cisco in the open water with the flash and then in the shadow and the contrast are, so i think that you... those open water fish are susceptible to it and then in the in the shallow waters you know we we fish them weightless a lot and yeah. popping them we can pop them through the reeds like ultra shallow water and these fish are are eating them and they're eating them strong and this is it's been nothing but success the last five years with beavers 
are you are you modifying the beaver baits at all are you putting putting you know blades on the back taking the tail off putting blade on the back do you all 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 of the sorts yep i'm putting i'm putting big long uh paddle tails on the back i'm putting kalins grubs on the back i'm put i'm modifying the beaver in every way putting putting uh like uh different styles of blades on the back as well yep so we're we're heading up to Lake Vermilion uh, in a few days here. This will actually drop after we leave, but we're we're doing the PMTT up at Lake Vermilion. Sounds like I might need to stop at Thornbros and pick up a few more beavers. Beavers on Lake Vermilion, it, they go hand in hand. And I'm not trying to like blow things up or anything by saying things like that, but it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get 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 some. You should have some up there, 100. percent We'll we'll cut this segment out so the competition doesn't get the tips too. Yeah, maybe we'll talk. <laughs> maybe we'll talk offline. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I love Brian. I love. I'm not trying to like boost the sale. I love Brian, the the beaver owner. He's a great guy, and you know, I'm not trying to like sit here and boost sales and stuff like that. It, you know, but they they're best the best bait, hands down. It's not even close in the last six years. Not even remotely close. Now, so. I, and it, hey look i'm all for like if a bait's great like it's not even pumping it. it's like just you're just saying what it is right like it's a good bait um but i think the thing i'm most curious about and this is probably a little selfish to me because we are going to fish lake vermilion you know the way we work like pull pause baits in wisconsin i feel like is is drastically different than how people work them in minnesota because like you know, we're fishing, so say like on a, any given day, whether we're fishing a beaver, tube, medusa, bulldog, most of what we're doing is like short, quick pops, hopping baits very, very ferociously, either through weeds, through cover, followed by maybe a few sweeps and pauses here and there. But like, you know, if I'm throwing a mag dog in Wisconsin, there's a good chance that I'm throwing it in, you know, eight to seven feet of water with maybe a foot or two at best of clearance like i gotta rip that bait through the weeds or hop it over them feels like minnesota is a little bit different like we've heard you know you got to slow things down is that seem seemingly accurate to kind of what we've been told yep i would 100 percent agree in, in general yeah i think that it, it is a little bit more to a day-by-day basis to how they're responding to how you're presenting it um you know generally i'm i i do some solo fishing but these days it's, i'm just getting a little bit more like uh i'd rather just have other people in the boat um so i'll, I'll have i'll have people present their baits in different manners you know just to see how they're responding um okay. but in general yeah minnesota fish i don't know if it's this the the way they're i don't know how i don't have a explain a scientific explanation to why they respond to slower presented baits but yeah in in general just slow drops slow sweeps with an occasional hot pop or two that's what that's that's how we get it done a lot of the time um but then there there are certain days and weather patterns that can totally shift that you know to you know if we're if we're finding like as of late anyways if we're finding like a rainy day or fish you know kind of pushed into the cabbage like we we still have to rip them out you know pump yeah. hard pumps you know rip them out of there but uh but in general, like especially if you're fishing the open water, yeah, you slowing it down is for for whatever reason seems to be the ticket. I mean, it's going to be a welcome change of pace because we've been just yeah. destroying breaking arms, shoulders. breaking backs a little bit more over yeah, there. Yeah, Gus and I had the DNR pull up on us. Uh, well, was it last weekend? And the first thing the guy said was like, "I was getting tired just watching you work." 
<laughs> man, I don't know how the hell you're doing that because Gus is like a maniac when he works rubber. But Gus, what were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say something, and this could be totally wrong, but I swear somebody told me that Cisco's or whitefish, when they move in the water column, they go vertical. So I don't know if it's because like a beaver or a tube, how it goes up and then it drops head first down and why that works. Whereas in Wisconsin, we're, when we're ripping rubber over weeds, we're primarily fishing fish that eat perch or panfish that just kind of like dart in like side to side and like not as much up and down. So I don't know if that's the difference maybe on why Minnesota fish react to slower presentations that go up and down. I think so. I mean, that is another thing that you can, you know, sort of learn from the live scope in the open water is watching the behavior of the Cisco. And they do, they do go vertical, especially, you know, especially when they're feeding, you know, to the, you know, the, like when they're feeding on bugs on the surface, they're just straight vertical and straight vertical down. And that motion, I've seen muskies eat Cisco's on live scope now in that, in the process of that vertical motion oh, wow. when, when the Cisco's are going up to feed. So I think that that in itself is, is part of the, you know, part of the reason. Yeah. Did you kind of have to train yourself? And, you know, you said you started dabbling in the live scope stuff. Like I know at least for me, when we have seen fish on live scope, like I'm very guilty of completely changing what I would typically do on. So say if I was just casting, right. I made a cast in open water. We were fishing a bug hatch or maybe off a break, you know, I'm ripping that bait. I'm doing a bunch of crazy shit. I'm, you know, whatever. I don't know there's a muskie underneath it or behind it or anything. But I've noticed that, like, if you do see a muskie on live scope, when we have, like, we'll be, like, gingerly kind of, like, you know, pulling the bait, trying to get entice the fish to eat. So, like, did you kind of have to teach yourself, like, if you saw a fish on live scope, like, okay, just it's regular scheduling programming here. We're, like, we're not changing things up. We're just going to do what we've been doing. Because I feel like that's been the biggest hurdle for us. Like, we just... Yep. Yeah. So like trying to, yeah, cause it's, it is different when you, you know, when you see them um, and you want to try to stick to the regular program in, in my opinion, as much as possible. <laughs> like this time of year though, it's so, so like this time of year, like we're, you know, at this, we're in the middle of August right now. It's like the peak of the, the, or the end of the warmer months and majority of our fish now have sort of made that wave to structure. So we're not, I mean, when, when we're fishing structure, it's really not, we don't, I don't have any dependency on live. I don't even use live right. scope. So yep. Yep. Um, I'm not real, not really thinking about it much this time of year, at least out in my area. There are certain lakes, like you might find, a, you might find a lot more fish on vermilion in the open water still, because I, for whatever reason, their behavior on that lake is, is just different and they don't, I don't know if it's just overall pressure or what, what caused it, but there's, the, the structure movements out there are off track to normal and it's kind of strange. So I, I would, so, it, I would stick in the open water or at least give it a good shot out there, even if it's even during this time of year out there. But so with vermilion, when you're talking about fish behaviors, I was going to ask this question. Do you find them to be more similar to the Minnesota bigs or any of the clear waters you fish around Bemidji or is it closer to Canadian shield? that you fished at say lake of the woods vermilion to lake of the woods yeah like a comparison like what is vermilion so i don't i don't really canadian? get over to vermilion very often um oh, okay so and it's 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 because it, honestly it's just because there's, there's so much guide pressure and some you know there's so much going on out there all the time that, and 
I, I just don't really have much of a, a desire. And I have Lake of the Woods at the same distance to my north where, you know, Lake of the Woods, there there has been an uptick on in pressure up there in recent years. Um, and it's very steadily starting to change the some of the fish up there. Um, but for the most part, they're still like, Lake of the Woods is, is the mecca of muskies behaving like muskies should. I love it up there. We're fishing shoreline reefs, shoreline rocks. You know, anything that looks good is still good up there. And we're getting them to come out, eat in the corner of the hang, just like we always dream and want. And that's how it's supposed to be. You know, when you're when we're fishing these deep basin Minnesota lakes where the fish's behavior has been pressured into, into who knows what on any given day, it it just gets kind of like, oh, uh, you know, here we go again, you know, day after day after day, you know. But in Lake of the Woods, I mean, you know, like I said, some of these lakes, like 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 Bemidji, Cass, Leech, you know, these fish are just like, you know, it's it's just a series of milk runs over and over and over, and it just gets repetitive. So, like, going to Lake of the Woods, having thousands of spots to choose from, knowing that there's probably a fish on each spot, where it's supposed to be at this time of year, ready to chase out a bucktail. I mean, that's thrilling to me. It's a lot more thrilling. Oh, now yeah. nowadays, Brian, it sounds like you uh, might need to move to Lake of the Woods. Sounds like yeah, it's kind of right up your alley. We keep talking about planning a trip into Canada because neither of us, not none of us three, have been there. But uh, yeah, it sounds like heaven. So is that is there it like? Is. Is there like a code to crack with Lake of the Woods or is it literally like any awesome looking spot is probably going to be awesome? There's no, there's, there are so many muskies in Lake of the Woods. There's not in, I mean, at least my, I've only been up there a few times now. So in my experience, there's, hasn't been a code to really crack. We're <laughs> out there every day, every day is an experiment. I mean, we're out there putting on like uh, 100 miles plus a weekend just i mean we're fishing Jeez. 100 200 spots like just like and it, you'll and you'll you'll go you'll go out there and you'll find out you'll drive and you'll be like oh like let's let's go there let's i mean left and right it's like we're like, i don't even know where to start because everything looks good and it is we're finding fish all over the place every corner of the lake is loaded with muskies i mean it's it's it is it's a it's a dream place and and i'm not trying to crack it up so much i know that there's people up there that guide and stuff like oh stop sending all these people up here but i mean it kind of makes me chuckle at the same time you know when a, when someone up on lake of the woods says oh there's so much pressure on these million acres you know it's like yeah okay okay yeah okay there. i mean i'll not you know it's it's not easy for everybody to take off of work and away from right. family and friends or whatever to get all the way up to lake of the woods side i mean i i think people are pretty well aware there's a lot of muskies in canada <laughs> right yeah. I, I would recommend a trip if you haven't it's beautiful it's gorgeous if the air is different everything feels different it's just it's amazing it's an amazing have, place have you fished anywhere else in canada other than lake of the woods um n- no i haven't i haven't i'd like to get to eagle uh i'd like to get out to you know rowan and the, you know laxul and such but and those are all on the list it's gonna i'm gonna be going north a lot more over the next couple of years um musky fishing is going to kind of be taking a back seat over the next few years for family life, you know, hopefully raising a, a child or two and uh, doing a lot more traveling across the States and beyond and, uh, and things like that. But um, for when I do get out musky fishing, I am going to be like trying to do some very cool, neat related trips. 
Sounds like yeah. you need to book a trip to Vilas County, get up to Northern <laughs> Wisconsin, get on a big yeah. old uh, Wisconsin greenie. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I've got friends out there all the time. And they're like, oh, come on out, come on out, come on out. So um, we're, we're working on a trip next year out there as well. So there, there is part of that, I think, in Northern Wisconsin, that there are certain areas that I do still think hold on to what, kind of what you're talking about, where the air is a little different. There's nobody out there. I mean, there's, there definitely is lakes in Wisconsin in the Northern zone that are very pressured. Everybody knows about them, but just because of the sheer density of amount of lakes, there are so many where Gus and I and Brian, and, you know, all three of us are out there. We're the only boat on the water for six, seven straight hours. We don't see another musky fisherman. I mean, it still exists. It still exists. Yeah. And, and that's one thing also that I, so that I, I'll bring into the table here and saying, you know, and something that we're doing that's maybe a little bit different than other people is that we're, we're getting really experimental with locating unpressured muskies. Um, I mean, we're fine. We're going, we're going up chains. We're going through rivers, um, up into lakes that are just completely uh, unmapped, unmarked, considered non-musky lakes. And we're finding fish in these lakes and, and they're eating baits like they've like they've never seen one before and it's it's something that we've been doing the last few years and having a lot of fun with it to me that's nowadays nowadays like you know i've caught a lot of muskies been around the whole state been around all, all over the place and the most exciting thing to me nowadays is going and breaking down a brand new water um and finding fish where they're not supposed to be i just i love that feeling <laughs> Yeah, and muskies do they travel like people don't realize it's it's if if there is any lake in wisconsin or anywhere across the midwest that has muskies if it connects to another lake in any way shape or form there's going to be muskies in that connecting lake Mm -hmm. there there are you know and that's just how it is yeah no agreed so changing topics a little bit but sticking with minnesota waters i see that you do a lot of night fishing and that is something that has piqued our interest. I don't know if it's we just haven't become nocturnal enough to try it a lot or the bugs just get to us and we just don't stick it out or something or probably the confidence piece where we do it for a while, don't get anything. Obviously, you don't get any visual follows. You can sometimes see them on side image if they come in late or something like that. But you do that on pressure waters because you think, or I guess clearer waters because you just think that they're harder to get during the day or you see too many people out there. And then at night, uh, sorry, I'm saying too much, but my biggest question is that at, at night, do you do anything different than during the day? Like, are you finding them in the same spots? Yeah. Um. So I think it's all of the above a little bit. Night fishing. So I, muskies are, are really especially on like very, uh, like in, in Northern Minnesota, we've got very clear lakes. The lakes are, are for the most part, very clear. Um, and that makes, that makes a bite during the day just by default a little bit more difficult. Like they, when they can't visually break down what's going on at night, it just makes them more susceptible to eating. It just does. Um, and on top of that, uh, I think that, yeah, just the, the whole pressure thing in general has kind of forced them on certain some lakes to be more just nocturnal feeders it's just that's just that's just how it is it's unfortunate i don't i don't i'm not a huge fan of going out there and chugging in late into the night but there's just certain times of the year and certain places where that's what you that's what you have to do is you know 
in terms of finding them in the same spot, like if you're going out there and you're marking them there during the day, yeah, they'll, they should still be there at night and they'll, they'll be more apt to come out and eat. I think, um, uh, it's in the summertime now, this is like the prime time of the year where we're doing like a, like our, a majority of our fishing is at night. Um, part of that being the water temperatures, like they do, they are pretty warm during the day. I mean, luckily in Northern Minnesota, we don't have, we don't really ever have to worry about that modern 80 degree threshold that doesn't really get up that high ever but it, it can push it sometimes and uh, night fishing it generally cools several degrees and, and just makes it a safer bet to target them but also each night in the summer um you know you've got your structure fish that are they're there majority of the day but each night it a lot of these open water the fish that are that are still in open water they do make up a, a nightly push to feed on perch and whatnot on the structure, which is kind of, it's kind of backwards, I guess, you know, you think that they would just be feeding on Cisco all the time, but they, for whatever reason, this time of year, each night fish do push in and set up on the edge of these break lines and cabbage beds. And it's just, it's the, it's the prime time to, to fish and catch. It's just, I, I, I don't have all the explanations in the world. Um, I think that um, if you're looking to find more success night fishing, just do it around full and new moons. It has a drastic effect in Minnesota. Uh, I find that it's less of the case on Lake of the Woods and dirty water lakes. I don't think that moons play as big of a factor, um, but these deep basin, clear lakes, full moons, new moons for what what they, we are, we have just much heavier success around those periods and we're not fishing any, any more than we are any other day but it just, the moon plays a big effect on the on the on the clear lake basin minnesota fish yeah, well, yeah we got a new moon coming up here in a few days great yeah yeah we're pretty excited for that um i have uh brian you remember this this is when you caught that really big one at at sunset on the top water so for there we tried night fishing that night after he caught that really big fish that was maybe 30 minutes after sunset so it was still bright out but it wasn't night yet and we didn't find any success at night but during the day we found fish on outer weed edges then brian caught that one at sunset in basically slop like the nest like way shallower than before uh you prop we couldn't even get bucktails through there you could only get a top water through there do you think in your opinion that big fish was there all day or did it slide up when that sun went down and it felt like it was good to go in that shallower water and it didn't feel as vulnerable because sometimes it was also think, a little bit of a cold front after that storm too so maybe yeah, that that's could have pressured true. Him up. so there was there was steam on the water so it started to like cool down a little bit quicker that night than normal but sometimes i think like big fish we see them come out of the slop a lot but like i feel like a big fish is vulnerable when it's really really sunny to be sitting in three, four feet of water? That's a, that's a great question. Um, we have a few lakes and we kind of, we discovered this, not, I mean, you know, in a way this year, but my guess would be that that fish was there all day. And you just, there's a few lakes in, in my area that we fish that the fish will do that. Even on just hot scorching days, they will go bury themselves in that slop. And I, you can't, you, you can, scan you can scope you can do everything under the sun to try to see those fish and you just won't you won't see them 
And then at the right time, they'll still just kind of rise up and put themselves in a feeding position. And that's just how it is. I, you know, uh, there's, cause there are certain lakes that we fish where, you know, like I said, if there's, it's, they're really easy to break down. There's not a whole lot of fish in the open water. And if we're not marking them out in the open water or on the break lines, and there's really nowhere else for them to be, you know, than hiding deep up way up in the slop. And we had similar experiences where the day they just don't show themselves during the day. And then that first dark period start flying out of, out of nowhere, out of the ultra shallow water. So it's kind of strange, but yeah, I, I would, I would guess that fish was probably there. Have, have you yeah. night fished at all going into like October and before turnover when these fish are still in shallow, at least that's how they are in Wisconsin. But have you night fished late into the year? Year round, year yeah. round night fishing in Minnesota. It's, <clears throat> It just, it works all the time. I mean, that is not, if anything, it's more successful overall than day fishing, um, just due to the clarity of the water and the, the, uh, skittiness of the, the pressured fish we have these days. Um, and we, we catch a lot of fish yeah, late into the night. I mean, I don't, I, like I said, I work full-time career. We don't, we don't get too many days where we go out and really pound it out overnight, but we would find in general, if you fished from 7 PM to 7 AM, uh, you'd find maybe twice as much success as you would from fishing 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. Hmm. So, so I guess this we're ways out from this, but uh, post turnover at night, I mean, what are the muskies doing? Because in, in my eyes, they're, you know, it's cold. They're kind of sleeping. They're snoozing around. And are they moving up in a break if they're off it? Or what, what have you yeah, noticed? Yeah. Well, so on our lakes, um, fish fish have become really really transient these days like they're 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 coming in and out a lot more than they used to it used to be the case where they would just yeah they would just lay there uh you know right kind of on the outside of the breaks or whatever and there's no, you could there's nothing you could do to get that fish to eat or move you know it's just how it is um and then at night you know the as it gets colder the feeding windows get smaller and tighter and you just have to be there at the right place at the right time and that's the only chance you you can have you'll get um, nowadays though, they, I, we, I feel like the fish are, you know, moving in and out of the open water to even, even up to like ultra shallow water, you know, two, three, four feet, um, really fast. And, and when we get, you know, especially as it gets later and after turnover, when we're fishing like the structure, like, um, you know, that, that gets to be the time of the year when the Cisco's start staging and the muskies really will move up before the Cisco's and just wait for that Cisco spawn. Um, but the windows are really tight, but, uh, if you're there, if, if you're there at the right time and that's, that's really all it is. I mean, they, they, they're, but they're coming in and out a lot more nowadays. So it's tough to really break it down. Like, like we used to be able to, you know, we're getting a lot of, a lot more fish that time of year, like on castbacks, like, oh, we're, you know, we're driving the break with side imaging and we're marking them. Like I'll see them come in on my side imaging from, from open water, um, and we're getting more fish on, on those castbacks these days, but yeah, I don't, it's tough. It's tough to say their behaviors just change. It changes every year. Uh, and it gets, they get stranger and stranger. And, and unless you're out there often kind of keeping track of what's going on, it, it, it gets to be really difficult for anyone just coming up there and fishing. I do remember last fall, uh, dad and I were trolling on a lake that froze the next day. So it was really, really late into the season and we were trolling and we, I think that 
that was our last day of fishing last year we went three for four on trolling so we had a really successful outing we caught all of them directly on the break line and pretty you know deep water i think it was well I, i'm saying deep but you know it was like 15 to 18 feet of water like just steep break line and then as we were getting to sunset i was side imaging fish just shallower and shallower and shot like i would do passes on the same shoreline all of a sudden they're in 12 then they're in 10 and all of a sudden they're in eight and then like before you know it like they probably went up into the dead weeds potentially you know yep but we didn't i don't even know if we had our casting rods with us it was freezing it would have been difficult but yeah it's just crazy to see uh that happen like right in front of my eyes it is it is cool and that's pretty i mean that's pretty typical behavior these days especially even on the the freezing months like they'll move up ultra like there gets to be a point where it's too cold for them to move up like ultra shallow but they these were finding some fish uh in very shallow water in november like it's very it's strange it's, i have no explanation for it it's kind of like this june like i said like end of june we should be seeing fish trans you know transitioning from spawning to open water but we're finding them coming in to the reeds like it's just some unexplainable stuff the last couple of years um at certain times but the, the general behavior would be yeah i mean they're just moving up at at sunset and then some of the fish are feeding and moving out i don't know we, we just constant it's a constant flow both directions and establishing like a firm set pattern on these big basin minnesota lakes nowadays is is harder it's just not as consistent they they things change by the day wow that's i mean that's what's great about musky fishing there's i don't even if there's a book on it, it there's going to be ways that it's wrong yep there's oh yeah never hard fast rules and um so going with like seasonal patterns i i did want to go into this because it is august and we're talking days are getting shorter we're about to get some cool downs and i know in minnesota it's the classic push up onto sand onto some reeds like really shallow water what are you what are the what's the criteria for you to say the next morning you go out fishing all right we're gonna go hammer two to four feet they're gonna be up in the sand in the reeds like that's where they're gonna be yeah i think that generally big big overnight temp drops and big you know big swings in temperatures just makes them instantly react like that um, there are not, like usually around early September or end of August or something is, you know, it's all, it's like a total wave of fish that moves way up and it, it can happen overnight. I've seen, I mean, we've seen it happen literally overnight to where we'll, you know, we'll be fishing the shoreline structure, um, one full day. And then the next day there's 40 fish up there and it's, it just happens very fast. And uh, I just keep an eye out for that. It usually happens on a huge temp swing. You know, we get that massive, whether, whether it be a, a storm cold front or or just that time of year where, you know, we're dropping from a 70 degree day to a 40 degree night. Um, you know, you guys know those and that that's enough. That's enough to start it. And then you just need that consistency to sort of keep them up there. Because if we're, you know, they'll push up there overnight and, it, it, you know, after that big cool down. And then if it gets like if it heats back up during that day, that, you know, they're they're jetting right back out right, right the next day. So, you know, the early morning hours is definitely where you're going to find a lot more success on that sand bite 
in you know in my opinion at least unless until the weather gets like consistently cool uh i, I like temperatures under 60 you know or, or around 60 and not any higher um for that to really start to kick off yeah 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 so once that starts to like you're getting like daytime you know daytime temps in the low 60s upper 50s like things are going to start happening way up there so um, i guess my question then you know uh to, to transition a bit you know what what's keeping you from being you know you said you don't want to to lose kind of the the love or passion of musky fishing but you know what are you doing on your nine to five during the week like are, are you working a pretty traditional job where you're kind of getting out after work and then weekends or how does how does that set up for you yep i have i have my normal career which is i do sales for a manufacturing company but the people i work with are just awesome like i I love my job. I love the people I work with. It's, you know, it's work, work is work. Um, but I don't mind it. It's nothing that I like hate getting up for every day. So that's, that's, that's enough for me to pre, you know, to like put the brakes on. Okay. I'm going to be a full-time musky guide. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, um, yeah. So then I, I get, get out on the evenings after work if I, if I so choose. Um, and then the, just, I mean, a kind of weekend warrioring, I guess, um, a little bit, but, most most uh weeknights i i try to get out if i if i can well i mean i i would say you know like I, and i don't know if like i don't want to classify you wrong but i i would say that you're more than a weekend warrior i mean you're somebody that i've followed on instagram for quite some time like you've you know done i feel like a really good job at like kind of documenting your you know your fishing experiences and and i, and I don't want to i guess get into it too much and i guess we, we can if you want to but like um you know, putting all that stuff out on social media, has that been something that's like, you know, you felt overall generally a positive thing that you've kind of done? I mean, you've got a lot of followers, people are kind of, you know, obviously interested in what you're doing. So yeah, I mean, social media, it's like you guys, I'm sure have found out or no, it's, it's such a pros and cons thing. I mean, there, there's, everyone's got an opinion on everything these days. Um, I, and there's a lot of people out there, especially in the, the musky community in quotes that, you know, they hate each other for this reason or hate each other because of that reason or don't or just, you know, just over certain certain things over certain opinions. Even it's just like I'm kind of kind of over that stuff in general. It's just like kind of it's just draining, you know, yeah. uh, the life of the life of the internet. I hate the internet. I really just overall, I just, I hate it. I hate its existence. Uh, and I wish that things could just go back to like meeting musky guys at the local musky zinc meetings and only and swapping stories at the table. You know what I mean? Like uh, that, that was the life. Nothing will, we'll never get that back, you know, like 15 years ago, the glory days. We always talk about the glory days because it really was, it was the glory days. It just was. Yeah. But yeah, overall, like social, I've met a lot of my best friends on social media, my current boat, boat partner. I've, I mean, guys in my wedding, like I, like the, the positives have been amazing. You know, all the people I've gotten to meet, talk to, go fishing with, um, you know, it's amazing. I mean, that's the, that is yeah. the, that's the greatest positive that you can get out of social media is getting the opportunity to share the boat with somebody new, uh, and ho hopefully developing a, a some sort of friendship you know and that's all i really am trying to do these days is just meeting more people fishing with more people um and uh 
gaining friendships in the in a, in a in the sport that we all have the same passion for is really the should be the only goal at the end of the day i mean it's we're all out musky fishing um you know i i i may disagree with the way certain people target fish or certain things people do but at the same i don't have anything personal against i'll 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 clear the boat with anyone anyone that exists and even even if i've had like a strong disagreement with somebody in the past you're you're welcome to come out fishing and we can BS through it, talk about it, laugh. Things are different in the real world when you're out fishing with somebody yeah. versus bunch all the crap and comments and everything else that goes on the internet, you know? You, Couldn't agree more. You, you don't really get to understand people, their true nature, their uh, everything about that person until you go fish with them, you know? Everyone has opinions about everyone on the internet. Nobody cares about that crap. Go fishing with these people. Get to meet new people go to gatherings, have fun and just do that. And that's all that really matters. So yeah, I can't stress I think... that enough. Like it's so all the online crap I'm trying to like very, very limit my time on the internet these days and it's only going to continue to de- decline. So <laughs> I don't, I don't blame you there. And I know we we're using the internet, you know, just help, I don't know, you know, promote, like this, promote this right here is awesome. And this is a conversation. I, you know what I mean? I love this. Yeah. And that's why real. I, I was, I was just about to say, like, I think that's why another, maybe the biggest aspect that Max and I have really enjoyed from the PMTT circuit is that we've met some awesome people from just sitting at the table, like you're saying and talking muskies. It's what it felt like. Nobody's on their phone or anything like that. And then we're in, you know, musky leagues up here in Northern Wisconsin. You just, like I just go fish with my dad on Monday night and on Tuesday night, go fish with my buddy Clayton. We just shoot the shit cast, maybe catch one, maybe catch two. I don't know. And then go to the bar afterwards, talk about what you didn't or did see. And uh, yeah, you know, go from there. And then another, you know, going off of the positives saying that you met, you know, your, you know, the guy that you fish with a lot or other guys that you've met to, to fish with is that, uh, we have as well, you know, like our musky bender weekend, our buddy Parker that came along, you know, I would have never met him unless social media, uh, just this past week, I kind of had a little more time off to do some personal fishing. And I ended up going out with two muskies on tap podcast listeners, guys that I've never met, but I was messaging with on social media and had a great time fishing with them and got to meet two, two more guys, you know, <laughs> just, it's awesome. I it it is. And that's a hundred percent. That's that's what it's about. That is, that is the definition of what it's about and the, the meaning behind the entire musky community, you know, it is, and there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. You know, having a, having a, having a beer with the guys after a day of fishing, talking about fish stories, you know, that, that's what I, that's why I'm like, most of the time, like social media related or like doing, uh, um seminars and all this sort of, sort of stuff you know on the internet like i just i kind of shy away from that but podcast i like podcast it's like real conversation with people you know in person you know there's not that's awesome. i love this stuff like well, the, it's fun i mean it's fun because like you know i've i've touched on this in the past but it's like people that really truly love musky fishing like everyone has a common denominator and that's that they're in some way shape or form they're all sick in the head because like what, what you're doing, I mean, like if you explained it to somebody from like Georgia or, you know, wherever, pick a state that doesn't have muskies or, you know, people don't musky fish 
And like, I have buddies even here in the cities. It's like, so you're telling me that you spend 10 to 14 hours on the water and a great day is you see a few and you catch a really nice fish. It's like, yeah, that, that is a great day to us. And that's like, that is not, not, not everybody shares that same thing. So like when you find other people that, you know, align with those same kind of like ideas of what a great day of fishing is like, yeah, that's what makes those conversations awesome. Cause you know that they're just as sick in the head as you are. Like you, they love it, you know? And that's half the reason why we wanted to start this thing was like, man, we just love shooting the shit about musky fishing. And we want to talk to other people that also share that same passion. And that's what makes this fun. You know, that's what makes it cool. hundred percent. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of, a little bit of, or a lot of crazy and a lot of mental resolve. I mean, this, the, the reason we, we love muskies is uh, it, First, it's just the ch- it's the challenge. It's the it's the drive. The it, and it it's just the reward after if you find success. I mean, it's so much different than every other species of fish, to, in my opinion. You know, and that's that's why it is what it's hard. It's a t- that's a tough conversation to have with somebody who's coming up. You know, like you said, coming coming up from the south on a guide trip, and they just think they're gonna. You know, it's like it, people get false ideas off social media sometimes. Like, oh, you're <laughs> you're gonna go out there. We're gonna we're gonna catch eight muskies today like no you might see one or two and <laughs> yeah. if, if we're really if we're really good you'll catch one you know what i mean like it's just, it's a it's a tough conversation to have with somebody who doesn't understand it but it's yeah the reason for all of this is the same and i love it you know i always yeah. have and you said uh, 20 years of musky fishing and it's like you know a lot a lot has changed uh in you know overall with with the fish themselves and like but at the end of the day like my reaction of putting a bigger fish in the bag is no different than it was 20 years ago. Thrill, excited, you know, smiles, happiness, you know, like if you ever find yourself just like, Oh, oh, we got a big fish, you know, and at that point you might want to just like take a step back, take a break, you know, take a few months off something. I don't know, but (laughs) every fish that goes, every fish that gets caught and gets us out of nowhere and especially, you know, the unexpected, it's just, I don't think that feeling will ever get old. I don't. I don't yeah, know. It'd be hard to think it would. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the best. There's no doubt about it. So, um, I got to shout out the guru because he's the one who initially gave me the push to reach out to you. Um, so you guys were able to link up and get in the boat together. I'm sure that's also probably a product of a little bit of social media. I'd assume. Um, yep. Is that yep. how that relationship started? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, I have a buddy, uh, uh, wisconsin buddy who started um what we call the musky battle oh yeah and i don't know if i if you guys have heard of it or gone over it at all or anything like that so it's watch the videos seen the seen the youtube videos yeah it sort of changed so it started back in the day as like a a, uh just kind of a competition between like people who had go uh youtube channels and uh and then since then so many things have changed and like people were coming a lot of people are coming for the wrong reasons and like just I don't know. There's, it's a long, long story. There's another two hours worth of talking, but right now we've sort of, we've sort of kind of developed it into a, almost like a fantasy, fantasy league now. Oh. Um, and each year we get together in the same four or five days. Um, new people are welcome every year. Um, just re, you know, we, we do do it through Instagram. So like there's all this up, you, know, you don't have to have one, but it's re- it makes it a lot easier with the process and we can add you into the group and, we have full blown 
conversations about all sorts of muskie related things every day almost and uh it's a get together we fish for a trophy um and a lot of bs in hanging out it's like the it's such a it's the most fun thing i've ever done and last year we invited the guru and a few other new guys and they came and we all hit it off and just it's awesome guy awesome people all the way around and if you guys were ever interested in that uh, i could give you some more info on the side and stuff and it's so fun i i can't even put it into words so many people get together and a lot of bs in and a lot of are you guys on the on the same like lake or lake group every year do you guys mix it up no we we generally make uh, this year we generally mix it up so a lot of times it's a different state each year um but this we're doing it uh up in northern minnesota in my area again um for the second time in a row though because it just went so smooth and so fun last year that we decided cool. to to run it back so um but yeah generally we're always picking a new area new place each year to to try to host this um it's always hard trying to put together an event like this to get everyone together right um especially with everyone's uh, adult schedules these days but mm-hmm. have you guys uh hosted one up in canada yet no, but I'm talking about that next year. Next year, we might be doing like a Lake of the Woods or somewhere in Canada um, where we do it. I'm really leaning into that probably. Yeah. Um, but it's a blast. And anyway, yeah, that's where I met uh, Guru. And this year, he came up, fished with me and Tyler just a few weeks ago and had a blast. Had a blast for a day. So That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, anytime you can, you know shoot the shit with other people and add a little competition to it. That always makes things fun. Get a big shiny trophy at the end of it. And... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I said, it's like fantasy league BS and, you know, we're like, yeah, that's just all it is. You know, we're, we're just out for fun and you know, everyone, everyone loves the chance to, to travel. You know, I, I love traveling too. So. Cool. All right. Well, uh, man, we really can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. I had a blast. Um, I'm sure Gus and Brian did as well. It was, uh, it was cool. Thank you for taking us to school on some Minnesota muskie fishing that we, you know, were really not, uh, very knowledgeable on before, but I feel like now I could maybe go out and at least see a fish in Minnesota. Well, we, Gus and I are really hoping that's the case here in a few <laughs> days since we're going to Vermillion for the PMTT. Yeah. So, um, yeah, can't thank you enough, man. This was a blast and hope to have you on again in the future. Of course. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on here. This podcast is, is could only take off in the future. The, the stuff you guys are putting out is really fun, really natural and it's awesome. So cool. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, Alex. All right, guys. Hopefully that was uh, a wealth of knowledge for everybody. I know it was for us. We got to thank Alex again for coming on. Um, Been following him for a long time on Instagram. Dude just catches fish and he's been doing it for a long time and really knows the stuff. So that was an awesome opportunity. We're very grateful that he made some time out for us schmucks, us Wisconsin schmucks. Talk about some big Minnesota fish. That was that was a blast. So Gus, I'm going to turn it out over to you here to do some PMTT talk. Let's fire it up. All right. It is Sunday currently We're in the podcast that we are recording. It's going to come out Thursday. And Max and I are heading up Tuesday morning. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, be uh, heading to Vermilion, uh, uh, the world-famous uh, Lake Vermilion. Uh, 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 
<laughs> Thanks for that, guys. Uh, uh, that's just giving that's that's getting me stoked. You know, uh, we're looking forward to hopefully tangling with one of those big old ghost fish that are just out there. Everyone knows they're out there, but not many people catch them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about you, Max, but being on water that has the chance to kick out some of the probably, you know, maybe fattest, but probably longest fish almost in the world. Just like being there with your bait in the water is almost like it's ominous because they're ghost like fish. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous, a little excited, very excited. <laughs> this one's been circled on the calendar since I think we we saw the trail um, sites come out. I know we we hustled and bought a Lake Vermilion map, put it on the table. We were circling and mapping out spots back in, I don't know, before we left for Mexico back in like February. So mm-hmm. we've been, uh, oh, yeah. we've been trying to do our homework. I don't know how much of it will actually pan out and do us right, but yeah, we're, uh, we're pretty fired up. Underdog story backs against the wall. Nobody expects much from you, but here they <laughs> yeah. come. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't know. We've found ourselves somehow in pole position in this pmtt thing so i think we're <laughs> as if the guys in the pole are ever the underdog <laughs> trying the our damnedest to, to stay there but um you know we'll see we'll see how it shakes out yeah i think in advance to going to vermilion one thing that i did and i was sending you guys some snapchats is i built some pretty large bucktails that have not really see you know i don't know many people that throw them in northern wisconsin i i had to throw them obviously before leaving to test them out and i want to use them more in wisconsin because they look good i mean they're putting out would you build like a 16 14 blade combo (laughs) oh yeah 22 20 yeah 18 20 yeah this is insane i got i got like a 3.1 you know illegal (laughs) japanese gear ratio reel ready to roll to just (laughs) cut this cut this in. cut this <laughs> because it's gonna be yeah no it, it's gonna be fun where, where are you at right now mentally gus you know it's sunday night we leave tuesday morning i mean i'm pretty much just gonna be killing time here until i, I hit the road i feel like i'm max you'll probably get a few lab receipts in make sure the body's in tip-top shape for this you know brian i appreciate you bringing that up because yeah me in the lab we took a little bit of hiatus mid midsummer you know i've been trying to get that weight up just throwing throwing big rubber but yeah i did a did a few workouts this week getting the body tip-top shape we're feeling good we're feeling fresh so at this point it's just be getting in a lot of sleep probably over these next few nights because i'm assuming that gus and i will be limited on that um you know come tuesday we're gonna be spending a lot of time on the water uh, a lot of time with some buddies probably some late nights some early mornings so that's uh it's all part of it though that's that's what makes it fun yeah you know well i'm i'm looking forward to all that but where my head's at honestly you know you've been chatting texting you know you uh max and brian about like vermilion coming up and it's just like i'm like yeah 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 i know what's coming up and you know i i've been on the water and stuff but also now it's hitting me now that we're actually talking about it you know that we got alex on to talk minnesota muskies and then it's just like it's here crap we're we're gonna be fishing for these fish in just a couple days you know 
So, well, I, I think too, I want to ask you like where you're at, because I, I mean, maybe you had bigger aspirations than I did. I think at the beginning of the PMTT, our goal was to make the tournament, make the championship, I should say. Um, I did not expect us to be kind of sitting where we are right now. So I don't know. I don't think it changes anything. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to go into it trying to fish conservatively or anything. I think we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. (laughs) Just keep trying to do what we've been doing. Going after pins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, I think we're just going to keep trying to kind of keep our same philosophies that we've been doing in tournaments one and two or, and, uh, just kind of see how it all shakes out for us. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a little nerd. I'm probably the more nervous going into this one than I was into Madison. I think more or less just because of the body of water we're fishing more than anything. It's just so different than what we're, we're normally used to. So I think that's probably what's got me a little bit more, more nervous. I think, I think the butter butterflies are going to set in on Friday morning, since this tournament is actually a Friday, Saturday, instead of a Saturday, Sunday. Uh, it's just hard to say, you know, back in, back in Kentucky during that PMTT, I didn't feel like I really had that many nerves going into it. And even the first morning, because I was just so not expecting anything and going off of nothing and just going there to hang out with the guys that I'm staying with and just like fish be able to fish in april but then when that first fish i had on i was like that's i was i was the most nervous ever for like any fish almost in my (laughs) entire life so far and especially that second one maybe even more so i'm like oh my god this works or something and then i gotta you know net it myself but and then obviously there's insane nerves going on at madison but now there's just like the nerves and maybe just like the little bit of back pressure knowing where we're sitting. So I just, I, I want to like clear my head, you know, clear that out, kind of like get that, get that in the back of the mind. And we're just going there to like fish, have fun, hang out and just yeah, musky fish, you know, simple as that. Well, I think like the first two legs of the PMTT, you know, we, we were pretty fortunate, like you in Kentucky and then us in Madison to get a fish on the board pretty early on, on, on that first day. And mm-hmm. so that's going to be something, you know, for us, I think we just got to know that we're on big fish water and yes, there are a lot of fish, but you know, at the end of the day, like that moment can happen at any single time in place, you know, throughout the tournament hours and, you know, if, if things don't start as hot as they were, you know, in, in Kentucky and in Madison that just got to stick to it. I mean, we saw it in Madison with the, you know, Lejewski and his partner who ended up winning, you know, they won the tournament in an hour span on the last mm-hmm. day, yep. you know, so just kind of mentally having that like mental resolve uh, over that 15 hours coming off of a handful of days of pre-fishing. It's just, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. It's just like sticking with it and staying in the moment yep i think fishing i mean we we already do it but we fish hard and we don't take too many breaks i mean i know we did in madison for that little bit when it was scorching hot but you know i don't know what we're exactly getting every time i look at the weather for vermilion it's so up and down like i can't tell if we're gonna get rain or not i can't tell like how big the winds are gonna be i hope we don't get 
I really, the biggest thing is, you know, on tournament day, we do what we can, but on pre-fishing, if it is really bad winds and dangerous, I know it can even be dangerous for people with 22 foot fiberglass, but with us with an 18 and a half foot aluminum tiller boat, if we lose time, uh, pre-fishing, that's, that's maybe where I'm the most nervous about, but I gotta think past that and just think that with any of the little pointers that we've got from people, all of the heavy, heavy research we've done as much as we can with this lake, uh, just because nobody just gives out, you know, like this is where fish is right this moment. Like you got to go out there and find them yourself. Even if people have said like fish are in the spot, you don't just go to that spot and expect there's going to be a fish right there. So we just gotta, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but we're just going to fish hard and pre-fish <laughs> and have fun. Brian, you got any words of wisdom for us? Uh, I don't know about words of wisdom. Um, I'm hoping you guys have good cell service and then you can put me on FaceTime if that's legal and uh, prop me up on the trolling motor and I can kind of point you where to cast. But yeah, it might, it might <laughs> be too much of an upper hand. Could be cheating. Yeah. Who knows? That's true. Oh, they could I mean, find yeah. that out. That's true. <laughs> Having Brian's eyes. During I'm basically a live scope on the front of the boat. <laughs> good thing good thing you guys already have three or four units running but right <laughs> yeah brian will be up there on uh facebook or not face sorry brian will be up there on facetime being like yo yo what's that uh what's that rock over there doing uh <laughs> tree. That hanging tree. The is that a is that a dock why is that dock right there <laughs> Just got the text from Vegas. Caesars Sportsbook just came out with the new odds for you guys this weekend. They have set the bar high, being the pole team here. Uh, they've got you at two fish, no hook, two fish straight up, and inch-wise, biggest fish, 44 and a half. I hate this game because we lose every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hammer the over. <laughs> <laughs> I told oh. people to bet told people to sell their house. I've run into people at the bar, yeah, who've who've called me out for ruining their their financial livelihood for telling them to bet the house on it and during this... the PMCC when we blanked. <laughs> 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 Unloaded all, we're taking first and didn't catch a fish. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was humbling. <laughs> I think I think Caesars had a good line here though. Uh two fish, you know, you gotta hope to get one early. And uh obviously there's giant fish in Minnesota, specifically Lake Vermilion, where you will be. Uh 44 and a half, I think is a good line. You know, I feel like from from just the uh social media buzz, there's just as many 40 inchers as there are 50 inchers, it seems sometimes. So hmm. we'll hopefully, hopefully, out. yeah, hopefully you can at least get a 40. Yeah, well, we'll be uh, we'll be keeping everyone up to date on the Muskies on Tap Instagram and posting some updates and whatnot while we can, especially during pre-fishing. So, should be fun. Thanks for the odds, there, Brian. Um, I don't really know what to tell the people to bet on, but yeah, definitely don't <laughs> like that. Typically, we've been wrong, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to shut up on that. <laughs> just see just see what happens and uh yeah like max said we're gonna be keeping people updated on just like what we're 
no, not literally what we're doing, but just like, you know, the trip on the Muskies on Tap Instagram page. So be sure to check that out if you haven't. And kind of segueing from that, Max started a new segment called the Common Man Muskie Segment. That's what this segment is. So, Max, what do you got from the first week of doing that? Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's, you know, for people like Brian and I who are guides and want some, you know, maybe a little bit more exposure or well, showcase. Kind of, yeah, showcase their awesome catches and kind of, you know, talk some stories of big fish catches and whatnot. And, and again, again, I, it doesn't have to be a big fish or anything. It's just always cool to hear from the listeners and what they're catching. So we had our, our uh, first first um, submission to the mu- Common Man Muskie segment. So shout out to our guy, Jason Farrell. Out of West- shout out, Jason. Out of West Virginia. Shout, shout out, out, Jason. Uh, he uh, caught a 54-inch behemoth down in Whoa, West Virginia. Gotta be uh, fake. No, he's got the pictures. It's a gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous river fish. Caught it on a 13-inch Susie Sucker, Brian, your favorite bait. Jeez. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed he caught it on. Thing is automatic. <laughs> Didn't know they had him out there in West Virginia, but he found the secret sauce. So tip caps off to Jason. Yeah, the picture's awesome. I'll I'll put it up on our on our Instagram. But um, yeah, just a behemoth of a, a behemoth of a fish. Really awesome stuff. And appreciate you sending that in. So hopefully, uh over the next few weeks here, we can get some more submissions and kind of keep this segment going. Uh, it'll probably die if nobody sends in fish pictures. So this is a little encouragement, a little nudge. Uh, the only requirement we have when you send in your pictures, you have to tell us the lake, the spot, and the bait that was used. <laughs> Disregard that. <laughs> um, no, just uh, just shoot us it on our muskies on tap Instagram DM, or um, feel free to send me a text at nine two zero. Sorry, I got really bad. (laughs) All sorts of noises. (laughs) Shoot us a DM on Muskies on Tap Instagram or just shoot me a text on my cell 920. I I keep trying to hiccup, dude. I can't do it. Just hiccup and pause. Like, if you shoot know me a text just... on my cell at 920-205-9192. There you go. Good luck. Good luck editing that. <laughs> That'll be a fun one to edit. Max has got the just hiccup. Roll it straight through. <laughs> we yeah. might roll it straight through. I don't know yet, but Max got the hiccup. So he said his phone number like 10 times. Uh, we're doing it's... it live. Fuck it. We're doing it live. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the um, common man muskie segment. I I, I, pre- I would appreciate if people sent in pictures, fish stories, all that good stuff. Keep this thing rolling on. I think it could be kind of a fun thing to uh, to do. So, yeah. Um, again, thanks to uh, Jason, one of the listeners, for, for sending it in. Appreciate it. And we do have a merch update. Oh, oh Brian, <laughs> what is going on? Merch God, what is I, happening? Yeah, Merch God took kind of a back seat here. Um, and we had uh, a little help getting the push, getting the getting the order sent in. And I think they should, I think it's all set in stone now. Um, probably gonna be a few weeks before we, we get them, get them out and running to everybody. But uh, yeah, we, I think we'll try and do a giveaway at some point. Once we once we get the order in and then uh the rest of them will be be up for sale for 
first come first serve and limited sizes. So stay tuned. Uh, one of the big things too, I wanted to touch on this, Brian, and not trying to like, well, obviously we're, we're pushing the merch. Like we're, you know, we'd be idiots not to, you know, we want people repping the, the muskies on tap logo. It'd be awesome to have people, you know, rocking it. And, um, but the biggest thing I think we're trying to focus on, like Gus and, uh, you know, Gus went down and, and actually checked out kind of the actual t-shirts and sweatshirts that we're getting. So we wanted to make sure that the stuff was like good quality that you can either like fish in or hang out in. And, um, you know, I think we actually found some good stuff. You know, we, we did some research, we kind of went through, we did a trial run with some sweatshirts and they turned out really awesome. I think we just want to make sure that we're offering, you know, really good stuff that's going to last a long time and that people are actually going to really like. So, um, seems like we got it all dialed in and yeah, we'll be up and running on that in a few weeks and, um, excited for excited to see how that goes. Yeah. I'm pumped for those to roll in, you know, as always, more feedback the better just dm muskies on tap uh at instagram if you're excited for the merch drop uh we just kind of like to know you know who's maybe looking into getting some sweatshirts or t-shirts that's kind of what we're looking at doing first potentially some stickers but you know we'll just send those in with the uh with the sweatshirts and uh and and t-shirts so that's all awesome stuff that we're looking forward to here at muskies on tap uh i don't think there's is there anything else to add guys for the night i think that's a wrap yeah that was really fun episode um again can't appreciate alex enough for coming on and shooting the shit with us and uh yeah it was good to good to get fired up about this pmtt man i'm i'm excited ready i'm just ready at this point ready just ready to get there you know just get fishing Oh yeah, me too. So with that being said, with all this energy going on and we finally have Brian back on the podcast this week, can you please give us a good send off here, Brian, going into Lake Vermilion? <laughs> you know, guys, it's uh it's been a while since I've had to give an outro, but uh, I really can't contain my excitement for you guys heading over to Minnesota, foreign land for Gus, homeland for Max. Uh, hopefully, you guys have some beginner's luck over there. I know we speed it up, there, speed it up. We fished there once. Juice. We fished there once, didn't have any yeah. luck, but now it all changes, guys. Watch out for these guys in pre-fishing. Do not go near their boat. Don't watch what they're doing. <laughs> They got tactics that haven't been discovered in Minnesota. So False. everybody out there fishing this weekend, good luck. <laughs> Not too much good luck. Must be on tap, gang. Going to hold it down there in Lake Vermilion. You already know what it is. Good luck, everybody, this weekend. Oh